Welcome to Phantom Faction Podcast, a podcast to educate, entertain, assist, and guide anyone involved or interested in the paranormal. To reach out to Phantom Faction, see our Facebook page or email us directly at phantomfaction at outlook.com. Here's your trio of hosts, Dan, John, and Danny. Welcome to episode 38 of Phantom Faction Podcast. I'm Danny. I'm Dan. And I'm John. We're all together once again. Uh, yes, Welcome. I'm here. Thanks I'm for showing here. up, John. Yeah. Uh, I don't mind them here. You know. <laughs> just <laughs> like little, last last time. A little miscue, that's all. Good job. You just didn't want to come out, did you? I didn't want to get a reading because I was scared what she might find. The tarot card lady? Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, well. well, she did a reading for me and Danny and a couple of the spirits that were up there. Uh, I haven't listened to them yet. Yeah. Yeah. Which, it was cool. Uh, it was really cool. Yeah, very fascinating, actually. So Very interesting. But we've got another guest today. We do have a guest. And uh, we are. We should just tell the people that we're back here in the Crown Theater. That's right. In Harrison. And uh, yeah, you said it was uh, pretty full of people, uh, or spirits, I should oh, say. All the tonight. orbs in here are crazy. <laughs> the pictures we were taking beforehand. Mm-hmm. So I'll put a few of those up on the Facebook page. And uh, we're freaking out our, our guest here a little bit. <laughs> That's right. He is an author, and uh, I guess in from the Kitchen-Waterloo area, I'm going to say. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, his name is Mark Leslie. And Mark, you've written a number of books and all related into the paranormal. Actually, you said that you'd written some others as well. Yeah, I've got six books on uh, true ghost stories or paranormal experiences, and then a bunch of other novels and short story collections that I've worked on over the years. Probably about 20, 25 books in total. Wow. That's incredible. So where did this uh, interest in writing about the paranormal come from? Well, I think it stems back to the fact that um, I am approaching 50. I'm going to be turning 50 very, very soon. But you cannot tell me that the monster under my bed does not exist. Mm -hmm. Because he he does exist. And so does the ghost in my closet. I've always been afraid of the dark. I've always been intrigued by the unknown. Mm-hmm. And the things that we just can't explain with modern science. And so from the earliest ages, I was fascinated by that. And I loved to tell stories. I loved campfire ghost stories. Mm-hmm. I loved hearing people relaying those tales. And it, it just kind of stuck. I remember when I would do uh, a story in school, teacher would ask you to write a story. And I would always shoot towards the shadows i would always shoot towards the dark side so it was almost like twilight zone-ish mm-hmm. weird fiction you were always that kid that they were keeping an eye on like, i was probably <laughs> i'd probably be on a list right like, now like me i was you know the, yeah. the teacher wanted me to draw like rainbows Something and unicorns nice. yeah. but i would draw the unicorn but he would have like a crossbow shaft in his heart <laughs> yeah. or you know or he'd be fighting like bigfoot or Something like that. Yeah, I mean, my mom always said, why can't you write a nice story? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds well, like they're mine. not as interesting. <laughs> so, you've got to have conflict. You've got to have fear. That's right. Uh, and so I've always been, uh, I'm afraid of everything. I'm a big chicken. I, mm-hmm. I'm a giant chicken. When, when my son was little and he used to come into the bedroom and say, oh my God, Dad, the boogeyman's here. And I'm like, where? Let's go. Like, <laughs> lock the doors. Go tell your mom. Yeah. It, was, it was a scary thing. Yeah. So uh, I had trouble telling him that the boogeyman wasn't real because I don't want to lie to him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I went on my very first ghost walk, uh, which was in Ottawa, I think 25, 30 years ago, the other thing I never liked is I never liked history. Hmm. And so I went on this ghost walk in Ottawa, and the group there is amazing. This is the first one I'd ever gone on, and they're dressed in this Victorian robes, and they have a lantern. Yep. And, and because it was our capital city of Canada... 
And there's such a rich history um, from the building of the country and obviously all of the ghosts that are in Ottawa. I was actually fascinated and I said, for the first time in my life, I was actually intrigued by history. And I went, wait a second, because you can't tell a good ghost story without digging into history often, mm-hmm. right? Like the building That's that we're correct. in, yep. there's a history. You know, the <clears> orbs <throat> we were seeing there, they have to be related to people who were here before us. And that is how, I mean, that's how ghost stories got me into history. And so when I did Haunted Hamilton in 2012, uh, I did it in relation with the local uh, ghost uh, walk group, the Haunted Hamilton. And, and again, I went on all their walks and I, and I, and I sat down with them. And, you know, uh, great folks like you guys who are willing to share their stories mm-hmm. uh, with me. And, and that was an amazing experience because I had only been in Hamilton for a few years. And... Um, I find that when I go to a new city and I, and I move to a town, listening to people share historic tales and the ghost tales makes me feel more a part of that community. So it was a great way for people to learn about the, the local history mm-hmm. um, in a fun way. So mm-hmm. I, think, I think that would be, if, if I were ever to teach history, I would always want to bring it back to right. the coast because I, I think I can get more kids interested in this stuff. <laughs> so was the, uh, uh, what was the first first paranormal book that you'd written? Uh, so Haunted Hamilton came out that in 2012. Uh, right. That was the first one. Mm-hmm. And, and that was fun because I got to learn so much about the city. Mm-hmm. And, and I actually, I, I talked to a lot of people um, when, I, when I first launched the book. I called it my love letter to the city mm-hmm. because... I learned to love Hamilton through researching that book. I mean, ironically, there were some really, really good flip sides to it. So, for example, one of the bars that uh, haunted bars in Hamilton that I, that I wrote about, the Wanking Judge, is is haunted by. Uh, I've uh, been to, I've been to that bar. You've been to the judge, yeah. yeah. So the judge who haunts the second floor, and there's the ghost of the cat there. And so, as I was researching the book, I went, "Oh my God, twenty-two craft beers, and it's haunted." Out of my way, <laughs> and the day I launched the book, I went. I went to the bar and I gave Mary. I hadn't met her yet. I'd only done the research through books, and and I gave her a copy of the book. And me and my buddy sat at the bar and we ordered picture after picture and wings after wings. And then we closed the bar down. And since then, ironically, I know the bar is haunted because I haunt it mm-hmm. myself okay. uh, with a lot of the regulars. So, uh, and even though I live in Waterloo now, um, I'm regularly in Hamilton, and, and I usually try to make an excuse to get over to the judge because it still has that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that hometown personal feel for me, uh, even though I've never seen anything um, other than uh, people miss the, the urinal. <laughs> <laughs> so where did the the writing come from from you? Like, uh, is there writers in in your background, or was um, there a teacher yeah. that influenced you? Or uh... yeah, there was a. I remember uh, Gary Furman was a teacher that I had in uh, grade. 10 uh, in high school. I mean, I, I had been interested in writing up until that point, but I never saw a, mm-hmm. a, a reason for it. And he had, uh, in his English class, he was an English teacher, and in his English class, he had once a week, he would give us a one-hour class where he called it free writing. He said, all you're going to do is take a blank piece of paper and fill it with whatever you want. You want you want to do hang you want to play hangman with your friend you want to do tic tac toe you want to write a story you want to doodle you want to sketch whatever it is I don't care all you have to do is hand in something even if it's just your name on a blank piece of paper you have an hour to do whatever you want I like wow. that teacher yeah yeah I loved him <laughs> yeah. and I wrote some of the stories so my novel I Death 
mm-hmm. which was published in 2014 uh, by Edge Publishing in Calgary. That novel was derived from a, a thousand-word story I wrote in Mr. Furman's class in grade 10. Now, I, I, mm-hmm. the character stuck with me, and I expanded it, mm-hmm. and I came back to it, and I was in university, and I revisited the character. I wrote a sequel, and then uh, not too long ago, uh, maybe 10, 15 years ago, I started writing the full novelized uh, mm-hmm. version of the story. So I credit a lot of my passion for creativity and writing to teachers like uh, Gary Furman, who, who gave me an opportunity to just explore creativity mm-hmm. untethered. Right? right, no limits doesn't matter, and I remember some of the comments uh, on that story. Uh, at the at the end of the story, this guy has a death curse, and he decides he can't do it anymore. He doesn't want to kill anyone else, so he decides he's going to stare into the mirror until he finally kills himself, and that's how the story ends. And he wrote back, and staring back at him was the Twilight Zone. Mm. And I've gotten editor comments for decades since then, uh, great comments from editors that I love, but I still cherish that one because. This was a teacher who got me. <laughs> he right. understood what I was up to. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, well, that was kind of weird. I'm going to call the psychiatrist on this guy. <laughs> right. So uh, that was, uh, I, I often, when I think back to, and, and I had the opportunity to send him an email uh, and thank him uh, mm-hmm. for doing that. And, and I think uh, anyone out there who's had a teacher that's inspired them, I strongly advise, if you have the opportunity, let them know that they made a difference. Yes. Yeah. Well, that was a great palsy. An hour just to be creative. That's... <clears throat> Because you know some kids will run with it, right? Yeah, some kids will get bored and do whatever. And yeah, but yep. um, yeah, I had I had a blast with it. It, it nice. helped me. Excellent. So. Right, and Dan would have been drawing probably. I was always doodling and get into trouble and yeah, you know, but it was the stuff that you were jokes. Doodling. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> stuff that I was doodling. You would have been in the psychiatrist's office with me. Weren't you? <laughs> yeah, we would have been good pals for sure. <laughs> <clears throat> so. Our, our listeners uh, really love to hear some uh, some of the stories and stuff. So let's go back to that, that first book about Hamilton. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, maybe you can tell us one of the, the stories without exposing the whole book, of course. Yeah, but, of course. Uh, uh, you know what? I, uh, one of the ones that scared me the most, because mm-hmm. uh, that's the one that sticks with me, was in the Hamilton Spectator. So a lot of the archives and a lot of the research I did with Haunted Hamilton with the group and I'd also spent a lot of time at the Central Hamilton Library and going into the archives. And they actually have, have a file of historic clippings from the newspaper. Mm-hmm. And one of the articles was originally published, I think it was in the early 80s, late 70s. And it was about uh, a man and woman were in this uh, small apartment building on, on the mountain in Hamilton. And she woke up in the middle of the night, or he woke up. And heard his wife screaming. Mm-hmm. And she had been laying in bed. She woke up and she opened her eyes and she saw this woman with raggedy white hair and like no, no eye socket, like, like mm-hmm. blank eye sockets and just this mm-hmm. ghastly look on her face hovering right above her bed. And it was just the top half of her body that she saw. And it looked like she was screaming. And this woman like woke up, saw this woman uh, hovering uh, above her, screamed. And, and it, uh, the apparition disappeared. And it kept coming back night after night. They couldn't do anything. They actually brought in psychic uh, investigators from the U.S. Mm-hmm. And again, this was a long time ago. This is mm-hmm. before psychic investigations on TV shows and stuff like yeah. that. So right. was they brought them in. They brought in priests. They brought in all kinds of things. And the one psychic uh, said, is a woman who's sad and she's missing something. 
and, and they picked up a vibe that there's a woman she doesn't want to leave because she doesn't want to leave. There's something she loves that she can't leave. She's missing her legs. <laughs> Actually, ironically, what they found, what they found later on was that she had been in a wheelchair and she oh. couldn't use her legs. And she also had glaucoma, was it the eye thing uh, as well. But then uh, what was interesting was eight or nine years later, uh, they, they, she kept seeing her and every once in a while the apparition would float towards a particular wall and disappear into the wall. And then there was another article published eight or nine years later when the building had been torn down and uh, the, the construction crew found remnants of the tombstones of this woman's children who had died. Oh, no. And that's why she didn't want to leave because they were buried on that property. And there was the, it was the remnants. Of, so there's a picture of the guy who had moved out of the house and then they found the tombstones and the names matched some history and they put it all together and wow. figured out who the woman was. Sounds like your house, Danny. <laughs> yeah, he, he, found, he found some tombstones in the, in in the, the basement of his home. In, in the wow. basement, yeah. yeah. So that stuck with me. But what stuck with me was the artist's rendition of the sketch of the woman. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, my family was sleeping upstairs. Uh, and I was in the basement, uh, two floors down, by myself, uh, working a full-time job. So to finish this book, I had a deadline. I was up, staying up till 2, 3 in the morning to get things written. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was about 2, 2.30 in the morning. I finished this chapter. I'd just done all the research. I had all the articles, like photocopies the, of the, or reprints of the, of the newspaper articles in front of me. And I couldn't get that image of opening my eyes and seeing this woman hovering above me in the sketch. And I remember sitting in the chair. The only light in the house was in the den in the basement. And all the rest of the house was completely pitch black. And as you guys know, I'm a giant chicken. (laughs) I sat there for 45 minutes because I couldn't leave the light. I couldn't leave that safety of the light. I was terrified. I'm thinking, (laughs) can I sleep in this chair? (laughs) It took me 45 minutes to muster up the courage to to move through the house in the dark. Right. Uh, And and sometimes uh, I think I'm on to a good story when, when I get that feeling. Yeah, sure. When, when I get that chill and I go, okay, if this scared me, well, everything scares me, but if this scared me that much, it'll probably uh, be frightening to other people. Right. Hmm. So the whole history fact, like you said, that's what spawned your, what's in your interest in history of right. some of these buildings and, uh, and stories. But you must meet an awful lot of neat characters as well <laughs> that'll tell you these stories. Or, and how do you weed them out? How do you know which ones are the uh, ones that you want to put in your book? Or? It's difficult. Sometimes I want to have more than one source. Right, mm-hmm. because sometimes uh, we all perceive things differently, and so mm-hmm. sometimes when you have a, a, and this happened in the spooky Sudbury book, when you had the weird, uh, there was a lot of weird UFO activity in Sudbury through the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you have uh, different reports from different people in different spots who were not in contact, and they report the exact same thing, mm-hmm. there's that sort of thing. The validations. Um, and then even, I don't know, uh, uh, Spidey Sense. My partner has mm-hmm. a really good Spidey Sense about people and about things, and so maybe I've picked some of that off of her. Right. Uh, and so I look at, um, sometimes you can tell. And, and, and oftentimes, when I finished a book signing, Oftentimes, there's somebody lingering at the back. They're a little bit hesitant. They're not sure if they're willing to trust me. And mm-hmm. then they come and they share a story. And, and I mean, half the time, uh, those stories have ended up making their way into books because you end up having a more in-depth conversation and then you talk about it and you get more details. I mean, you have to be a really elaborate liar 
<laughs> if you're making stuff no up. Yeah. Or if it's a misperception, too. Because the other thing, too, is when I report uh, a lot of the stories I write, I look at it and go, uh, a book on haunted bookstores and libraries, for example. I've been a bookseller my entire life. Mm-hmm. And some of the stories are when the books fell off the shelves all on their own. I said, well, in the summertime, um, uh, humidity gets into the pages. The books expand on their own and they will fall. I've seen it happen. It doesn't mean there's a ghost. Mm. So I I approach it with a believer's heart but a skeptic's mind. Mm. Yes. Uh, And I look for, and I always look for it. Uh, I'll give you an example. Haunted Hamilton, uh, there's a story, a murder mansion, about this old uh, mansion on on the mountain. And the the story allegedly was that the... um, the man in the house took a, uh, an axe in the middle of the night and he butchered his family and then he hung himself from the widow's walk on the third floor. And then the next family that moved into that house, the, the 17-year-old son found that axe in the shed and, and in the middle of the night he butchered his family and hung himself from the widow's walk. And I was like, well, murder weapon probably wouldn't just be released back into the public. Probably <laughs> yeah. So I did my due diligence. Uh, I heard right. the stories. Mm-hmm. I called the police uh, and you know, I had to explain what I was doing about... Were there murders in this neighborhood? I I went and I did the research to see, like in the newspapers, that would probably be in the newspaper. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't find any evidence of it. So when I wrote that chapter, I said, and I detailed the research I did and said, I honestly don't think this story is real. But still, it's kind of cool, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, And my editor got mad at me and said, oh, man, you're ruining it for the believers. And I said, yeah, but I don't want to. He said, well, don't go on for two pages about why it's not true. I just gave a quick paragraph. Right. Saying, I couldn't find any evidence to support this, but isn't it neat that it matches around the time The Shining was popular? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> With Jack Nicholson mm-hmm. running around. So oh, I often okay. find sometimes popular culture will influence that the things. Um, that almost see. sounds like right. the Amityville <clears throat> horror story with the axe. Well, across, right? yeah, Amityville. And, and, the, but and, the, and, and then the, the same axe is still in the house you know, yeah. when the next family moves yeah, in. Yeah, so. And the father grabs it. And, and that's a sign that maybe somebody saw a movie and forgot it was in a movie and thought it happened to them because yeah. they had uh, in, in, ingested something maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, every time a story is, is handed down to the next person to tell it, it always changes a little bit. It changes, so. yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, Liz and I had a, a paranormal experience at a hotel when we were on our way to the Trans uh, Allegheny, uh, Trans Allegheny, Allegheny uh, Lunatic West, Asylum in, in West uh, Virginia, mm-hmm. in West Virginia, but again, every time I tell the story, I probably add a little bit of embellishment every single sure. time because Liz goes, "Really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah." But uh, yeah, and that uh, we spoke of this uh, a little earlier with with Liz, and she was saying that you know you weren't expecting to find anything. You you know right. you're going to this this place that you expected. And then you end up finding a paranormal experience. Yeah. Yeah, that was bizarre. At the Econo Lodge. At the Econo Lodge, yeah. (laughs) I I mean... So what was it? So we we were traveling. So we were... I was at... uh, I do a lot of stuff with writers. We were at Romance Writers Association Conference in Orlando. And so we were driving from Waterloo to Orlando. But on our way back, we wanted to... It was... I think it was a 12-hour drive from Orlando. We made it to Pennsylvania. And because... The book Haunted Hospitals had come out, and that had been a chapter Rhonda, my co-author, had written. I didn't know much about it, but I knew it was a beautiful, historic building, and they did tours, and Liz was fascinated by the the whole history of the building as well. So we decided to make it there, and I think we got to West Virginia. It was probably midnight. She'd been driving all day, and, and we get there, and we're in the mountains, and it's cloudy and foggy. We get to the first hotel. I run in, and there's no rooms. 
and, and, and again, it's not like a big town. It's like small. Yeah. So it's not like you have a lot of choices. And, and she goes, oh, there's another one just a few miles down the highway. And so I get back in the car and we go down the highway and then we see it, the Econolodge, we pull in and I come in and she says, well, we've got one room. And I'm like, oh, this is like a ghost story. I, <laughs> yeah. I actually didn't think that. Yeah. We've got one room and you have to sleep with the owner. Yeah. But, <laughs> she said, we have one room, but it's only like two twin beds. There's no queen or king yeah. or whatever. And I said, you know, we're just going to sleep. That's, that's good. We're, we're good. So we, we, we unpack, we get into the room. It's a decent room. It's a nice hotel. Uh, but we had stayed in a very similar hotel on our way down that was sketchy and in a really scary part of town. And we were, it was the kind of place where we brought sheets from the car and we slept on those mm-hmm. in our clothes. <laughs> sure. And you I, didn't walk around barefoot in the hotel? And in that we actually hotel? pulled furniture. We pulled the, there was a little uh, love seat. We pulled that in front of the door. Okay. Because I was worried someone was going to break in and steal our laptops and, and passports. Sure. So. <clears throat> I've been this, like that. The layout of this room was the same. So I'm, I'm already on edge thinking someone's going to break in. So we're there. We're overtired. And Liz, it's cold. So Liz puts on a hood and she faces the wall. She's on the bed closest to the washroom and I'm in the bed closest to the door. And she, she's out immediately. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wake up in the middle of the night and I hear her getting up and I'm looking and I see her shuffling at the end of the bed towards the bathroom and I'm laying in bed and, and, and I'm waiting for her to turn the bathroom light on. And I'm waiting and I'm waiting. Mm-hmm. And then I can hear her breathing in the bed beside me. <laughs> and I sat up and went, oh my God, there's a woman in the room with us. Yeah. And I was terrified. And, but again, I wasn't thinking ghost. I was, was thinking birthday? somebody broke yeah. in. Yeah. Somebody came <laughs> in. Somebody <laughs> broke in. Yeah. And I look <laughs> and, and I see that the door latch is still latched. And I go, Mark, you're overtired. You're thinking about that other hotel where you were terrified that you were going to get murdered in your sleep. <laughs> go to bed. You're, you're, that's it. Then about, I don't know, I fell back asleep. Uh, oh, the other thing I told myself is, okay, maybe I was awake. I saw her. She went to the bathroom. I fell asleep and thought I was still awake. Yeah. And mm-hmm. she'd already gone back to bed. That's yeah. very likely what I saw. Right. So then I, I fell back asleep. Then I heard something drop on the table at the foot of my bed where our laptops and passports and everything were. And again, I sat up and I went, oh my God, I didn't check to see if there's a connecting door, right? Because the door latch was right. on. But there's no, and I look and there's no connecting door. And I'm like, oh my God, I, I swear someone's in the room. I've made the mistake of waking Liz up when I've been scared at night. I don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> no, no more. Because <laughs> she's the brave one. She'll go and check for the boogeyman while I hide under the covers. Um, but I didn't do it this time. I just went back to sleep. And in the morning, we're getting ready because we're excited to go to the, to the lunatic asylum. Mm-hmm. And uh, Check yourself in. <laughs> check, my, check myself <laughs> in. And I said, did you get up in the middle of the night uh, and go to the washroom? And she goes, no, I was, I, I was in bed the whole night. I, I didn't get out of bed once. And I said, well, funny story, because this is what I thought I saw and heard. And she said, well, I wasn't going to say anything, but something weird happened to me last night. And she was laying in bed with the hoodie on facing the wall. And she could have sworn she felt something touch her shoulder. She could have sworn she felt as if someone was hovering over the bed looking at her. Mm -hmm. And she knew it wasn't me. Right. And she's feisty. So she steals herself up and she's ready to like swing and take take a jab at this person. And... And she gets ready and she turns and there's nobody there. And she said, I could have sworn it was a woman that was standing over me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> yeah. I think I saw a woman and you felt a woman. <laughs> right. Um, it, and it wasn't spooky. Right. 
until after the fact. I mean, I was scared that it was someone who broke into my room. I yeah. wasn't afraid of the spirit. Right. Uh, but that was the first time I can say I ever actually saw something right. that I honestly believe was paranormal in nature or that wasn't natural uh, yeah. or, or wasn't something of this earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, that, and that was kind of neat. And then, and then we went on a 90-minute on a tour of the Lunatic Asylum uh, as well, and, and we, we didn't see anything there where we were expecting to yeah, see Yeah, exactly, you don't, yeah. Uh, but, but we saw it at the hotel, and again, I've done some research, and I can't find any other stories about this hotel room. Right. Uh, yet. I'm still digging mm. into it. Right. Road trip. Yep, there you go. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah you, want to go to, you want to go to the visit, then, don't you? I do. Yeah, you've got to stay at the Econolodge. I'll find out uh, what the room <laughs> number right. is. <laughs> it's on the second floor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we find that, too, and we go on paranormal investigations. Sometimes we don't feel anything. We don't see anything. We, you know, and it's not till later we might you know, capture something on a recorder or right. you know, EBPs or something. Or something that, uh, you know, on the video cameras and stuff. But it's usually like after, and John would be able to tell you, but you know, like after an investigation, you get home, you're relaxing, and then you see something (laughs) Something, or something Mm -hmm. goes on, right? Uh, Whether it followed or uh, (laughs) sometimes it happens previously to what you were doing. Maybe we've talked about it on our podcasts where you're almost drawn into a frequency, right? That you're going to look at something paranormal so you've opened up that frequency right and somebody comes to visit you from that lunatic asylum or something you know right. we get that a lot if we're going to yeah. be going on an investigation yeah they will actually they know we're coming we actually yeah. come to your home and and visit us oh because maybe they want to show you the way right like it, it's well, like a, it's yeah. like a link has or, or, been or opened up you you know <laughs> yeah and and like dan will describe something and and I haven't said anything to him, and I've got the same damn thing at my house. It's like it's it's really bizarre. It's really? like they, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, there's no a, there's no time or space thing like to them. Boom, that's they're right. they're instant. Any, anything, yeah. And like you know, we told you where John lives, which is an hour away from here, yeah. and I live half an hour away, and we'll be texting each other about something, right? And that spirit will show up at my house, really, and it'll show up at his house, and he's like, oh, does it look like? You know, and he'll say, you know, this tall guy, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yep, that's him. Wow. And yeah. Uh, yeah. happens all the time. Yeah. Not so much lately because we've kind of shut yeah. ourselves down a little bit. But yeah. I, I can see us open, opening back up yeah. pretty soon because there's some stuff coming up. And Yeah. And, so it's a good uh, possibility that even this spirit oh, that Oh, it might have come appeared. from the... Yeah, because yeah, the hospital have. wasn't that far. Well, it didn't matter how far it was away. Yeah, it yeah. wouldn't really yeah, matter. Maybe yeah, if, yeah and if they picked up... that on, we were excited it's, about... Um, for sure. Right. Right, oh, you opened up that frequency, yeah. so... You know, I never thought good, of that possibility. Yeah. 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 Who knows? It could be... It's, it's just... Yeah. But it's cool when you see something like that. Yeah. You know, it just kind of... Even to this day, if I see an apparition, I still get goosebumps. Right. And I do get, I'm not going to say scared, but you get that feeling, right? That fight yeah. or flight. Like this is different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just, it never changes. It never goes, it never gets old. Well, and I showed you some pictures that we took too, right? So Yeah, that, that was yeah, original, the real, yeah, no, and the real you deal. You show me in the room we're in in the dark. Thank you for that, by the way. And I'm, I'm always looking over my shoulder. <laughs> right. And we'll have to say that not all spirits are evil. And this one didn't yeah. seem to threaten <clears throat> Uh, no, no, not at all. There was no, so. there was no fear of the, the right. of that in, uh, 
and you almost feel almost a peace afterwards. Uh, yeah. If it's a good spirit, that's what I experience yeah. anyway. Is that uh, if it's a good spirit, you kind of feel peaceful afterwards. Yeah. Some of the stories that I've uncovered, they're touching. They're they're heartwarming. They're 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 heartbreaking. Some of them as right. well. Not not necessarily fearful. Right. So. Yeah. Is there one location, and I'm talking like building type, that you've seen to think that has more stories than others? I, I actually believe that any building where emotions run high. Like hospitals. Like a hospital, right? That's mm-hmm. where people come into the world. That's where people go out of the world. That's where people experience the highs and lows of life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That I think that a place like that is probably more prone to any sort of gateway to another world. Any sort of um, emotional vibrations left in time and space depending on what you believe uh, a ghost mm-hmm. is like some people believe it's a, it's the spirit of the deceased or it's it's another form of consciousness some people believe it's the human collective unconsciousness communicating other people may believe that it's like a like an old film like an old tv to mm-hmm. an old cathode raid where it's so ingrained in time and space that it's just a repeating residual real, residual right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so depending on and, and again i i believe in Ghosts. I believe in the paranormal. I'm not sure. I believe what they are, and I believe they may be multiple things. Right. Uh, and and that's you know because depends on the situation too. It could actually be the spirit of somebody. I I believe you can actually leave your spirit behind without mm-hmm. passing on. You can right. actually leave your spirit somewhere, and mm-hmm. you're going off doing your thing, and your spirit's still there because your spirit wants to be there because something about you wants to be there. So. Right. I mean, I've even written a, a fiction story about that concept of a haunted theater in Ottawa mm-hmm. that was allegedly haunted. And I was like, well, maybe it's haunted by somebody who just could never leave, even though they're still alive. Right. But they mm. feel like something's missing in their life because they left a piece of themselves behind. Mm-hmm. And that was the ghost. That's what the ghost was. It was the ghost of themselves. Cool yeah, I was just going to say. Yeah, that's a yeah. cool now, the reason why you're actually here is because I bought one of your books called Haunted, Thank you. Haunted Thank Hospitals. You yes. <laughs> um, <clears throat> another 50 cents. Yes, that was awesome. Thank you. Just made another book. <laughs> oh, my God. I can so, buy a coffee. <laughs> and you do have a ton of stories from Canada, the U.S., and beyond. Yes. And I just started the U.S. portion of it, <clears throat> and it's a, it's a cool book. And Thank you. these hospitals out west... In BC and Alberta, yes. Like, holy cow! <laughs> like the stuff that's going on in them. Can you uh, elaborate on a couple of those stories? Yeah, uh, I think the one because those actually gave me the heebie-jeebies. Me some too. Of them. Uh, the, so I was on. I think it was George Norrie's uh, Coast to Coast. Nice uh, yeah. okay, radio yeah. program, and it was like midnight till two in the morning. That guy's got a couple yeah. subscribers. He's got a I few. Think. He's got a. <laughs> he's got a bit of an audience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Perhaps your listeners have heard of him. Yes. Um, and I was on the show and I was working. I was writing uh, Haunted Hospitals with Rhonda at the time. So we were in the research and writing phase. And I was on the show to talk about just general paranormal experiences. And, and, and he had callers come on and there was a, a gentleman who had worked in a hospital in Pinoca uh, in Alberta and shared a story that scared me so much again liz was in the other room sleeping but again i'm by myself and you know like all kinds of things could happen to me with her not being right there for a second. Uh, and i remember just being so terrified apparently so I, your house is the hell mouth too yeah apparently like, it just is. all this nasty all stuff, the scary just, stuff just waiting to grab you and i remember uh talking to george's producer and saying can i get a hold of this can you find out from the the caller can i reach out to them because i'd love to talk about this 
In a, in a nutshell, it was about this uh, poor woman who had been institutionalized her entire life, and she and she lived in this in uh, in this hospital, and the staff would be leery about going into her room because oftentimes her room was like a complete refrigerator, and mm-hmm. and she would be complaining that she was cold and it couldn't do anything, and and then they and then the heater was working, but the room was just freezing cold. They'd move her into another room. That room would warm up, and the room she was in soon became like an icebox. So they stopped moving her around, wow. and there were uh, she would she would be violent, uh, like she'd be passive, and then they would actually have to have people to restrain her or to give her injections to calm her down because she would actually physically throw people across the room and hurt them. And then the one night he had never shared this story before. He called uh, the the radio program. He had been. Uh, in, uh, she had been violent earlier in the evening and now there were less people on, on duty. It was an overnight shift and, and he was just doing the rounds and he thought he could hear talking. He thought he could hear talking from the room and sometimes she would be talking to herself or she'd be dead asleep and there'd still be voices in the room and they weren't sure where he was coming from. So he opened up the room and he went in and he walked in and he sees her standing completely still. Mm-hmm. Looks like she's sleeping. But she's not standing facing straight up. She's standing with her feet on the wall and her head is facing into the center of the room. And, her, and she's like stiff about as a three board. feet up above the ground oh, with her face man. looking like, straight like up. Like Spider-Man, <clears throat> stiff as a board, exactly. stuck to the wall. And all he did was he took a look at her, thought about all the stuff that had happened. And quit. Closed the door. <laughs> no, he went back into the TV room. Right. Didn't say anything. Right. He finally shared this story on the radio and then he met with a friend because he doesn't work there anymore and he met with a friend who used to work there as well and he told the story and after he shared the story the friend said well I never told anyone the story but one night when I went into her room and I walked in because I heard voices and I walked in and she was standing in the middle of the room but she was standing straight up but she was about a foot off the floor and again her eyes were closed she was completely asleep Right. But wow. she was just, and he said, and I've never told anyone. See, that's not so much yeah. a ghost story, but it's like a possession. It, yeah, yeah, it, feel, it right? felt like it might have been a possession. Yeah, but it like was this just poor really, woman, right? Yeah, and this poor woman who had lived there her entire now, life. Now, is this hospital but, still operational? Uh, some of the buildings are, uh, okay. but the building that uh, they were in is no longer uh, is no longer operational. Road trip. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> that that is that, that is that one, that one freaked me out. Um, definitely, yeah. Yeah. definitely. Oh yeah, when I read that, I had to read it a couple <clears throat> times because I was like, "What? She's standing She's on the on the, on the wall, like sticking out like <laughs> a, like a peg." You're like, so, okay, I'm done here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So th- that's okay. almost like some kind of a demonic possession. No or something. kidding. Oh yeah. my god. Or she was like. Mm-hmm. Superwoman or something. She or had something. developed her powers and X-Men? you know yeah. X Men. So, you know? Yeah, that, that's that's one that's of the other cool. stories in the haunted hospitals was uh, because I used to be a security guard, right? Long, long time ago. Yeah, and I used to do hospitals. Yeah, and I used to do abandoned buildings and I used to do all sorts of crazy stuff and you know been shot and or at it and stabbed and all sorts of cool stuff. And I used <laughs> cool. to and, then, yeah, and I used to oh, you got to know him. Listen, <laughs> listen. <laughs> I got stabbed in the head and they went back to work the next day. I, I, I couldn't wait. But uh, Empty. That, that's another story. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this story that you've written about with the security guard in the empty hospital yeah. and the two nurses in the basement. Yeah. So this was, um, this was, I was doing a talk about haunted Hamilton at the public library. And, and this was a case where... Um, People came up to talk to me and get books signed and, and whatever and share their, their stories. And this one gentleman waited till everyone left and he pulled me aside and he said, okay, I got to tell you this story about, this is in the 70s and I was working at 
DeFasco, one of the steel companies in Hamilton. And, and, you know, to make ends meet, I was doing security at night. So I was doing a lot of like overnight shifts and working a lot. And it was at this old hospital, which was um, Century Manor in Hamilton, which is now closed down. And you can actually go look at the, the building is boarded up in asbestos. Oh, it's and creepy as hell. It is. Even in the afternoon, it's creepy. I'm, yeah. I'm scared to walk around out there uh, outside <laughs> the building uh, in the afternoon in the bright sunlight. I can't imagine being inside. So there's, uh, it's now been revitalized. Uh, the, the, there's a, the whole new hospital there. So they tore down some of the buildings they've rebuilt. But there's still a lot of tunnels connected. So this was back when it was mostly closed. And it was just this one institution part that they had uh, uh, psychiatric patient, patients mm-hmm. in that was still open. But they had a lot of underground tunnels connecting the buildings. And so he was doing the shift. It was just patrolling because kids would like to break in and, you know, either drink or smoke or... Or, or whatever paint. they would do, <laughs> get up to trouble. Um, Ghost hunt. Because yeah. there was no internet back then, so you had to break into buildings. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, do something. Um, and, and he was uh, walking through one of the hallways, and he thought he heard at the end at the end of the hallway, he could hear voices, and he was like, aha, I got you. Yep. you know, I'm going to get you guys now. I've caught you now. And he, and, he, and he sneaks down to the end of the hallway, and he opens the door, and behind the door, there's two women, and they look like they're dressed in nurse, like period nurse, right? Like yeah. The yeah. old, yep, fashion. The old high hats, and, and they're and they're and they're talking, and then the one of them looks at him, and then looks back at her friend, and says, "I told you he hurt us." Ah. And they, cl- they step back, close the door. Yeah. We said, "What did I just see?" Open yeah. the door again, and there was nobody there. Nobody. They're gone. Um, and then later on, he he felt a weird as he was walking down a hallway. He felt a really really strange sensation. Mm-hmm. of like a wind tunnel it, he could hear it first and then he just felt something pushing as if there were hands pushing at his back right he left that building went to the nearest exit went to a pay phone there were no cell phones back then called his boss and said I quit and he never went back to work there again and, and so that was again that was another story that I picked up while I was giving stories out I, it's like the more you give the more you receive right right so that was uh, and that one that one chilled me to the bone as well it was a good one yes mark leslie is our guest he is an author of many paranormal uh books and we're going to talk more with mark we're going to take a brief break and also talk about the guest that's sitting behind you in that uh, <laughs> Creepy chair guy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's coming right up you're listening to phantom faction podcast to reach out to Phantom Faction, see our Facebook page or email us directly at phantomfaction at outlook.com. Here's your trio of hosts, Dan, John, and Danny. Okay, we're back with Mark Leslie, an author of uh, many paranormal books, and uh, keep he keeps working on more and more uh, as well. So I can't help it. <laughs> You're addicted. <laughs> right, now I noticed you have a... Uh, uh, a guest behind you yes. uh, that's, that's been seated in here, and he travels with you in the car. And... Yeah, Barnaby Bones. Uh, so he's a, he's like a five-and-a-half-foot um, life-size skeleton. Not 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 a human. He's, he's made out of plastic. Right. But Barnaby Bones has been with me since, uh, I think, since when I launched Haunted um, Hamilton. Did you see that, mm-hmm. John? Did you see that? Sorry. I had, I had to, because it was, it was black. You see it? Was it? Went right by it. Yeah, it was like an orb <laughs> yep. or something. Yep. A right. black orb. Right behind me. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Sorry. That's really, okay. So. <laughs> John and I, we have our radars on all the time, and we both saw so you, you both picked it up. It was wow. like a black swoosh. Just went. By the meter, but it didn't do anything to yeah. it. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. So, so Barnaby uh, Bones. So you've, got, yeah, your, you've so got your skeleton with you. No, one of the reasons I take Barnaby is when, when I do book signings, um, there are people who are fascinated and uh, interested in paranormal and ghost stories in strange 
unexplainable phenomenon. And there are people who aren't. Mm-hmm. Barnaby lets people know not to talk to the crazy man if they're not interested in <laughs> ghost stories, right? right? Or for those who are very interested in it, they are drawn to Barnaby like moths to a, a, a light. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it lets you know, don't bother with this guy or you're going to like this guy. So it's kind of a radar to let people know. It's also a great conversation piece. You have the same haircut, too. Exactly. <laughs> Barnaby has, uh, I have slightly more hair because I have some on my chin, but he, uh, yeah, we have the same haircut. Good looking fella. <clears throat> he's a very good looking fella. He really is. Um, <laughs> and and he's, he travels with me. So he stays in my car. He's usually in the backseat of the car. Well, when we met <laughs> up earlier at the, the parking lot of the coffee shop there, he pulls in, and I'm like, what the hell? Because I can see the skeleton sitting in the back. You yeah, ever seen that one, too? Uh, no, not all the time. And you went for that split second. I was like, what am I seeing? He's like, you saw something right? I was like, oh, my God. And then it was like, oh, okay, it's, it's plastic. Well, right. I was pulled over when I was going to launch the book Spooky Sudbury. Uh, I was living in Hamilton, so I was driving up to Sudbury. It's about a four-and-a-half-hour uh, drive. And uh, I got stopped uh, at, so I finished work and then I was going up and the book launch was the next day. And so I'm driving up, it's probably midnight, 1230, and I'm in Pointe Barreau, right, just south of Paris. Pointe Barreau. Pointe Barreau. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to pronounce it with French. My mother was born Pointe there. Pointe Barreau. Yeah. So I'm there in Pointe Barreau. You know, on the highway, it's like the, you know, the right through that yeah. small part of town. Highway 69. The, exactly. The chip wagon and the, the gas station. That's, that's and the it. LCBO. And the, the LCBO. Store. The so, liquor store. <laughs> There's a there's a ride program and Barnaby's in the front seat with his seatbelt on, uh, and I'm driving and the police officer so he stops the car, and shines the light in and he says, "Good evening, sir. Have you been drinking?" And I'm like, "No." He goes, "Where are you going?" I go, "I'm going to Sudbury." Okay. How about your your buddy? Has he been drinking? <laughs> and, and and I and I'm thinking, should I joke yeah. or not? And I said. Oh, officer, alcohol goes right through him. <laughs> and then he goes, seriously, what's with the stiff? <laughs> what's with the stiff? And I went, well, that's my friend Barnaby. Uh, I'm a horror writer, and I write ghost stories. And I'm going to Sudbury to launch my book, Spooky Sudbury. Would you like a copy? And I reach into the back seat and yeah. give him a copy of the book. So I figure he's You bribed a police officer with <laughs> a book? I didn't bribe him, because I wasn't, I yeah. wasn't uh, speeding. I right, right. hadn't uh, anything but coffee to drink. And, uh, and I figure I gave him a really good story to tell about the crazy guy in the car with the skeleton. And I said, he's got a seatbelt. Right. right. <laughs> so yeah, we're, we're being safe here. That's hilarious. Um, and going across the border, too. I brought him across the border to go talk to a college uh, in, in um, Buffalo, New York. Mm-hmm. And I remember the, the customs, the customs guy. <laughs> he takes my passport and he looks at me. He looks at the passport. He looks at Barnaby. <laughs> He looks at me, he looks at the passport, he looks at... And he does it three times, oh, and no. I'm waiting for a smart-ass yeah. response. And he just goes, what are you going for? I said, well, I'm going to talk at a college about writing ghost stories. Uh, and he's like, okay. And he just gave it... He didn't say anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> this is the third skeleton this week. Yeah. 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 I was like, All Stupid right. Canadians. <laughs> Who's this strange person? But again, driving on the highway, it, it's funny because sometimes people will pass me and then they'll slow back down. <laughs> Someone takes out a camera. Yeah, the camera's uh, come out. So, yeah, yeah it, it's, it's, it's part of branding. I, I talk to authors a lot about branding. And I said, I, I'm, I'm a ghost story guy. So that's part of my brand. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. We've got haunted hospitals we've yes. been talking about. Um, 30%... Canadian stories, 30% US, US. and 30% rest of the world. Rest yeah. of the world. So there's a little bit of everything in there. So obviously we got some North, like 60% of it's North American. No, I just uh, started the, the US. US. Right. Any, any story I should really watch out for here or one that really sticks out? 
Well, now you're going to want to see the lunatic asylum that we... Uh, well... You're going to want to hear some of the stories. It's, it's um, neat to see that some of the places in here uh, right. I've seen on ghost adventures and right. ghost hunters and some of these other paranormal shows. Yeah. So... And yeah. I think uh, Colorado Springs was interesting because it's a relatively smaller city, mm-hmm. uh, about an hour and a half, two hours outside of Denver. Mm-hmm. And, and that was a place where a lot of people went for tuberculosis so because the, the, uh, of the, oh, the right. mountain air. Right. right. And, and Liz and I were there because I go to a writer's conference there every year, and uh, we did a lot of research there. Uh, great beer and also great, mm-hmm. uh, great uh, ghost stories. But there was, uh, there was great museums and uh, a lot of, I mean, tragic stories as well, but there was a mm-hmm. lot of... A lot of tales from that area uh, as well that were intriguing. Not scary, but intriguing mm-hmm. and, and sometimes sad. Where did the inspiration for haunted hospitals come from? So ironically, I was at a, a, a conference in Calgary, Alberta. And as writers sometimes do at the end of the, at the, end of the, in the evening, we were hanging out and drinking. Mm-hmm. And uh, this Rhonda, my co-author, leaned across conspiratorial to me and said, I live near a haunted hospital. Did you know that? And she knew I was going to, I leaned right in and said, tell me more. Uh, And so we started talking and I said, well, I I know some haunted hospital stories from Sudbury and Hamilton. And she goes, Mm -hmm. I've got to Edmonton and stuff. And then after about an hour, like we forgot everyone else in the room. And, and, and I said, you know, I'm going to pitch this to the publisher and see if that may, would you be interested in co-authoring? So that's how we decided uh, to write that together, uh, Mm -hmm. which is fascinating. She actually has, um, uh, uh, Edmonton haunted Edmonton book that's coming out from uh, Dundurn mm-hmm. as well. So oh, cool because she's a writer. She's done uh, other books as well. So that's sort of uh, she got she got bitten by the bug and now she's fascinated to tell ghost stories. Now, right. interestingly enough, she is completely skeptical. Uh, about, I'm a, I'm a believer and she is skeptical. So it was really interesting to, uh, to to co-author a book with somebody and and we had different approaches to the way that we uh, mm-hmm. you know I right. said I do approach it with a skeptic's mind but a believer's heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but she she was a lot more um, analytical in her approach, whereas I was just looking for some. I'm I'm also a fiction writer, so I like. Mm-hmm. It's great to share the facts, but you also have to have a story arc. And, and maybe I'll use an example from my Sudbury book if that might be a good one. Is sure. uh, I had on my website I was collecting stories for you know Have you had any personal experiences? Please share. And I had a gentleman who said, Well, it was uh, it was in the 70s and we were hunting and it was the middle of the night and. Uh, and we woke up, and we heard this weird sound, and we went out of our, our, our uh, tent, and we looked into the sky, and the entire sky was lit up like it was the middle of the afternoon, all, like, it, it was just complete bright, and then it disappeared. And then we never heard, didn't hear a single, like, no cricket, no sound in the forest at all for a good minute before all the noise resumed. It was like the animals and everything sensed that something weird had happened. And I went, okay. And I looked at it and went, okay, i got to make a chapter out of this. And I went, oh, um, that's one paragraph of information. So I emailed the guy back because he provided his uh, email address. And I asked a few questions. And he said, and, 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 the, and this is part of, part of the storytelling. He said, well, it was the very first camping trip I'd ever been on. I was 17 years old. And uh, this happened, and this happened. So he gave me a few more details. So having grown up in northern Ontario, mm-hmm. having been on my first hunting trip, knowing the atmosphere, I told a story about these guys who were playing poker around the campfire, and they're making fun of him because it's his first camping trip, and he's the young guy, and he's nervous. And so I'm building the tension of his nervousness. 
and the fart jokes and all the stuff that happens, right? When guys get together in a campsite and, um, and you know, throwing beer cans at each other and then they go to bed and, and then it happens and something spooky happens. And I have dialogue like, oh my God, what is that? And, and, and they're talking to each other. Did you see that? And, and, I, and I describe the scene and then it goes away and I send it. So I embellished a little bit and I sent it to him and I said, I want this to be accurate. I, I had to add details to give it a story arc to make it a little more interesting so they could sympathize with you and get mm-hmm. to know you better before the, the fearful thing happened. And he, he emailed me back and he said, oh my God, it's like you were there. Is that right? <laughs> and cool. I said, well, yeah, but I've been on camping trips. I know what happens. I know the kind of dialogue yeah. and, the, right. and, the, and the lowbrow humor. So I kind of just built it with things I, know that I knew that were real. Mm-hmm. And I've been afraid a lot. So it's sure. easy for me to speculate how I would have reacted in my... So it, it's kind of, I think a ghost story has to have a, a beginning, a middle, and end in order to, to capture the, the, the listener rather than just something weird that happened. Right. Uh, that makes it a lot more um, meaningful for the, for the listener or the reader. Mm-hmm. You, what do you see in there, John? I think our lady's floating. That's what I thought. <laughs> Did you just hear that noise there too? Yeah, and I just, at the corner of my eye, I just watched her kind of just float by the drywall over yeah. there and across. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, so. She's been... She's hovering around while we were talking. Yeah, I yeah, don't know what her connection is to the place yet, though. So, uh, spooky Sudbury. Yes. Um, now you're from up north. So yeah, you're I from the up, area. I grew up in the Sudbury region. Yeah. Lots of ghost stories from up there. Uh, Sudbury has a lot more UFO uh, tales than uh, ghost stories, but okay. th- there were yeah, there, there's some ghost stories up in the, in the Sudbury. Right. Area. So well, anybody who doesn't know, you know, a lot, you know, our American listeners or you know Canadian right. listeners who are <clears throat> on the West Coast or whatever, Sudbury is about four hours north of Toronto, Toronto yeah. and they used to do a lot of training for, for NASA. Yes, with the astronauts up yeah, there. Yeah, because of the rock formation. Because of the rock formation, very much and, like and the, moon. Yeah. the guys used to go up there and train to. Uh, drive the moon buggies and things yeah. like because they said it was like driving on the surface of the moon yeah because mm-hmm. there was a lot of because of the the smelters from the, the mine uh, mm-hmm. it's, an, it's killed, also called killed a lot of vegetation so it was all the rocky. nickel the nickel city because <clears throat> the nickel mines and nickel yeah. capital of the world actually. that's right mm-hmm. yeah. which so, is yeah any uh, no any ghost stories from the mines or from the uh, one ghost story from the so I grew up in a, in a town called Lavac which was about 45 minutes north of Sudbury 2,000 people Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a retired uh, miner, Hans Brosch, who uh, you know has been going and speaking to kids about mining because he's he's lived mining his whole life, and and he shared a, a tale about the haunted uh, the haunting of level tw- uh, 1250, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the Lavac mine north of Sudbury, um, and it was a a gentleman who was down. It was it was on a weekend shift, so there were, there was the cage operator up up top, mm-hmm. and there was just one person down. And he would ride the cage down, explore the levels, check, make sure the machines, everything's fine, and then go back. That's basically the, that was the entire shift. Um, and he went down, and he, the the guy who was operating the cage, just he called on the radio, and he was screaming. He was, get me out of here. Mm-hmm. And so the guy had to send the cage down to the level he was on. And then send it back. It took 15 minutes. And the whole time, (laughs) he was freaking out. He got, when he finally got up, he's like, oh my God, I saw the the deepest red eyes staring at me from the dark. There is something down there. It terrified me. I'm never going back onto that level again. Mm -hmm. And definitely not going into the mine alone. Right. anymore and he, he was insistent that there was a ghost on the uh, 1250 now Hans talks about the fact that there were the, the trucks they would send down on some of the larger um, uh, operations with um, wood 
mm -hmm. the, that they would use to build the tracks under. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I'd actually been down in, in, in the depths of the mine because my uncle uh, worked there. <laughs> and, and my cousin was an elevator operator there. So, you know, my, my cousin and I got to go down and, and explore that when we were younger. And it is terrifying. It is pitch black. It is blacker than black when, when they turn off the lights, and it was kind of scary. But he said sometimes a raccoon will get in the machinery or will get in, 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 the, in the logs, sure. and, and maybe he saw the reflection from, from his helmet light, and that's what he saw. So that's what the skeptics believe. But this man refused to ever go down to that haunted level of, of 1250 sure. because he said there was something there, and, mm -hmm. and it was not happy. <laughs> so, right. That's that a raccoon. You think he could... Figure that out. That right? almost seems... Well, more you grew up in northern Ontario. I think you'd know what a raccoon exactly. looked like. That almost seems yeah. more like a cryptid kind of thing. Like well, yeah, some little some little troll or, or goblin some, some way brain. down at the bottom of the bowels yeah, of the again, earth, right? And, and we don't know what it is. Uh, Road trip. But everyone who's worked <laughs> at the mine has heard that story. It's yeah. usually they tell the new people. You couldn't right? catch yeah. me. <laughs> you, you know what? I'm not afraid of a lot of stuff. You could not get me down a mine shaft. No bloody way. Oh, forget it. Yeah. Forget it. It's no way. It is, yeah. uh, it is something, I, I tell you, to, to go down mm -hmm. a, like almost a kilometer. Yeah, yeah that's, that's intimidating. I, haven't, I didn't go down to that <laughs> no, thank you. I, I think we had only gone down about a thousand. Right. Uh, but uh, it was pretty, uh, when my yeah. uncle turned off the lights, and we, st and we could hear the water dripping. Yeah. Oh. And it was just complete pitch blackness. And, uh, and, and I'm scared of the dark, so I was like, okay, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> lights. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. So what about... Uh, you wrote a, about uh, Ottawa, yeah. our, our, our capital here in Canada. Um, parliament buildings uh, or anything yeah. like that? Well, or? actually, ironically, the, par the thing about the parliament buildings that fascinates me is I, I believe that the library mm -hmm. has some sort of protection on it. Because even though uh, I think it was 1910 that the parliament buildings burned down. Right. The only thing that survived was the library. It was the library. There yeah. have been floods. There's been so many natural disasters that have happened yeah. in uh, the library in Ottawa, and yet, or in, in the Parliament buildings, and yet, yeah. the library has has been like a safe space. So it's something is protecting it. And uh, when when there was the tragic murder mm -hmm. of of the uh, of the soldier, yes, well, oh, just a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Do you remember? Where the guy was when they finally got him, the bad guy. He, he was in the hallway. He was, he was, he was in the parliament he was in, building. Yeah, he came and in he was approaching the the library yeah. when when they yeah. actually and the got security him. guy, I guess. The sergeant at arms, one of the yeah. 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 the sergeant got him. But yeah. it was just, and again, it was like it was almost like there was something yeah. protective uh, of that. Uh, so okay. right by the again, library, I, yeah. I think the the parliament buildings are, are beautiful and fascinating. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't find any ghost stories about it, but no. I, I kept coming back to the stories about about the protected library. I mean, in Ottawa, has it because the, the the canal is is yeah. is filthy with the spirits of of the dead who who died in the building of the Rideau Canal, mm -hmm. which is right outside, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. and plenty of tales from um, uh, from the museum there, uh, right on the canal, right, including the haunted dolls. I'm sure you've heard the story of the, the mm -hmm. haunted dolls there. And, Mm -hmm. Well, they've got the big military museum there too, right? And they might have some connections or attachments to some of those yeah. tanks and planes. And they've got one of Hitler's cars up there that's all full of bullet holes and yeah. all sorts of cool stuff. <clears throat> so there'll probably be quite a few ghosts running around that city for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, for uh, sure. Dan just mentioned attachments. And you were saying about uh, a story about a book that seemed to have an attachment to it. Yeah, it was a, it was a used bookstore in, in Barrie, Ontario. 
uh, and a gentleman, uh, an older gentleman, had gone in and he had bought this uh, used book on World War II, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was a, a nice big coffee table book and lots of stories and, and pictures, and he brought it home, and shortly after he brought it home, he kept seeing what looked like it might have been a soldier mm-hmm. um, in his bedroom. Hmm in the closet and he kept seeing this person standing in the room or moving through the room. Mm-hmm. Um, he brought in a priest because he didn't know what was going on. He thought my house is haunted. There is something here and he's always in my bedroom. And the priest determined that it was a soldier and it was somehow attached to the book. It was connected to the book. And, uh, and he suggested he take it back. <laughs> to yeah. the book. Is that right? And he brought yeah. it back to the bookstore. Yeah, and the ghost never came back to his. So the, the belief was that this spirit was attached in some way, shape, or form to the book. Was he a soldier who was written about in the book? Was it someone related to the author? We no idea. But right. for some reason, that ghost, that spirit, was attached to that book, and it went with the book. Mm-hmm. So be careful if you go to use bookstore. You right. never know what you're going to bring home. Yeah. And we've talked about that with antiques or antiques anything. As well, so, yeah. Yeah. Mirrors, right, John? Mirrors are a big one. <laughs> I would never buy an antique mirror. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. I've written a fiction story about that. Victoria's Cabinet. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So tell us more about your uh, your books. How, how can people get in touch with you to uh, maybe purchase these books? Or share some stories. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, I mean, my books are available at all retailers. So uh, they're in print and ebook, and some of them are in audiobook form as well. Uh, you can check it out at your favorite retailer of your choice. Ask for my books at your local library. That helps me out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's the library know you're interested in them, and I don't mind that at all. Um, but you can check it out at marklesley.ca. And there's links to uh, all the retailers from my website there and information about the, the fiction and the ghost story books I write. Mm-hmm. And you, we have a copy, a signed copy, yeah. of Haunted Hospitals that we're going to uh, give away to one of our listeners. After they listen to this <laughs> podcast, yep. they have to like, like share, Facebook, and leave a comment. Yeah. About this, and then, yeah, and, and then, then we, we will, will randomly pick. We'll yeah. generate uh, random number generator. a random number yeah. generator, and we'll yeah. pick and a we'll win, and we'll ship it out. Yeah, haunted cool. hospitals. What what other books uh, have you all got? So people can uh, well, if you if you can in. stomach really nasty, uh, blood filled, uh, horrible horror, terrifying, mm-hmm. like really nasty things. I death uh, is available. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want a little bit more lighter fare, like I have a thriller called Evasion that's set in Toronto. And uh, a more humorous thriller called *The Canadian Werewolf in New York*. Right. Uh, and if you like <laughs> fiction, I've got plenty of short fiction collections: *One Hand Screaming*, *Nocturnal Screams*, um, and I've edited a number of uh, horror anthologies as well, with, which have some. These are fictitious tales. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you like, if you like twisted and dark and weird, mm-hmm. uh, that's my forte. Right. And uh, also, so far, you've got Haunted Hamilton. You did uh, The Capital. Yeah, uh, Creepy creepy Capital. Because I use alliteration. That's my thing, right? What else? Spooky Sudbury. Okay. Tomes of Terror, which is haunted bookstores and libraries. Mm -hmm. Uh, Haunted Hospitals, which is obvious hospitals. Uh, Macabre Montreal. So, you know, one of the oldest cities in Canada. Sure is. And. Forthcoming will be Weird Waterloo, which I'm in the process of researching for now, as well as Spirits Untapped. Mm-hmm. And so Liz and I are huge craft beer fans, and uh, we've been to a lot of breweries and, and bars across North America. 
and we've been collecting haunted bars and breweries mm -hmm. uh, or restaurants, um, right. including the place we were at mm -hmm. earlier this evening. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, that's fun. We've been blogging. So spiritsuntapped.com, the website is about the spirit of beer culture because maybe 20 or 30% of the stories are, are ghostly. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the Winking Judge and other haunted bars we've been to. You're going to have to um, do a tour to uh, Milwaukee. Oh, to check some of those. And oh, for the, sure. the Pabst uh, brewery, uh, brewery yeah. and, and I think, oh, shoot, Coors? No. See, that's why this is a fun job. I get yeah. to drink beer and talk about ghosts. And I've, I've toured those <laughs> breweries, and I, I, yeah, remember, I can't same. remember too much. Yeah, It was a good time. <laughs> but yeah, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that I'm going to be uh, planning. And you can reach out to me at marklessie.ca. I've got okay. a contact form as well. Mm -hmm. Very so cool. you're glad to hear people's stories and yeah, always, you might end up yeah. in a book. Always looking for uh, new content because there's always a book in the works. Yeah. We're going to have to get you on, on an investigation too. I would be yeah. terrified but would love that. We're going to lock yeah. you in the basement. No! <laughs> no! <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to we'll uh, weird water. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, sure. It won't work. <laughs> yeah. the right there's, there's no batteries in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to weird Waterloo because, no. of course, growing up there, that uh, so that's going to be some uh, some fun stories. I yeah, would I, uh, I have some and I'm, I'm looking for more tales uh, again. Right. So if anyone has first-hand accounts, uh, I'd love to hear. Right, and it's the Waterloo region, so not just. Yep. and it doesn't have to be ghosts, right? It can be uh, weird, paranormal, can be cryptid, strange, can cryptid, be UFOs, yeah, unexplained uh, phenomenon that you just don't know what it is. Right, that's why uh, weird's a little bit more generic in terms of exactly. Right. I, I'm probably going to include some weird laws or, or just strange things, sure. like a strange uh, crime that happened. Like, why would somebody? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh, ex exactly. Yeah. So that kind of stuff. Uh, so it's a little bit open to. Uh, uh, a slightly broader audience who are just interested in interesting things that happen in Waterloo. Mm -hmm. Any uh, other projects? I know this one's a big <laughs> one for you right now, but uh, you, you're planning ahead? Or? Uh, I am writing the sequel to a Canadian werewolf in New York called Fear and Longing in Los Angeles. Uh, mm. And uh, I've got a sequel to uh, my thriller Evasion uh, that's in the works called Coversion. Oh. And uh, I have a sequel to I Death in the works called Sin Eater. So there's lots of things. It never stops, unfortunately. Yeah. Cool. Now, <laughs> yeah. just curious about, uh, forget about the ghosts and all that, the writing process for you. Yeah. How does that work? Do you, like, in bed and then all of a sudden something comes and you jump? Like, how does it work for you? Or can oh. you just plunk yourself down in front of a computer? Well, you have to, right? You have yeah. to. If, if, if you're a writer, you have a deadline. So I have an article due for Hamilton Magazine that I'm working on. They want uh, eight spooky tidbits about Hamilton for uh, uh, an upcoming issue and so you know my deadline is tomorrow so I I sat mm -hmm. down this morning and I said well what what in, if I was a tourist what would be mm -hmm. some cool places to visit that are not necessarily on the beaten path yeah Dundurn Castle for sure but mm -hmm. what are some of the other places to go visit and so you try to think of it from that and, and you just put it out there the problem uh, is I hear things, I hear stories, you guys share tales, I'm like, okay, i got to make a note of that because that's going to come up, I'm going to have to mm -hmm. get more details. And when it's fiction, um, I have no shortage of ideas. I probably throw out 20 ideas before breakfast right. because it comes to me, uh, I get 20 ideas and then one of them ends up not leaving, like I death, right? That The character from when I was in grade 11 or grade 10, that stuck with me and then became a character in a novel. Cool. Mm -hmm. um, you, you sit down, and sometimes I sit down knowing I have to finish a story. Usually deadlines help. Mm -hmm. You know, my, I've hired an editor for a self-published book. Therefore, I need to get it to my editor because I paid him. Right. Or my publisher, I signed a contract, and I have to get them the manuscript. So 
Mm-hmm. Oftentimes a book like this, you know, it takes us six months or a year to research. Yeah. But it's really about a solid week of writing. And oftentimes, because wow. I'm a procrastinator, it's, you know, a good four-day long weekend where I do nothing but write for 18 hours a day. Wow. <laughs> Got all my research, now I'm just going to write. Right. And, yeah. and Liz will, will be very supportive in that. And she'll, you know, okay, dinner's ready. Mm-hmm. Okay, go back up and finish writing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That kind of thing where I'm just nonstop uh, at it um, because right. I leave it till the last minute, of course. Yeah. So de- some deadlines are important to you. Then. <laughs> yeah, I write to deadlines. So if yeah. I have a deadline, uh, yeah. sometimes I'll, I'll put up a book for pre-order and I know, okay, yeah. I've got to go through this entire process, write it, get it edited, yeah. get it formatted, get it ready because mm-hmm. my deadline is there. Therefore, I can backtrack and say I have to finish the first draft. I have to get it to an editor I have to get it to first reader mm-hmm. you know I have to do it do all these things that that really helps me um, but I think the hardest part is just dedicating the time to sitting and writing mm-hmm. as opposed to going on Facebook to see what my friends are up to or answering email <laughs> yeah. and don't forget one more time if you want the signed copy of Mark's book Haunted Hospitals when the podcast comes out go on Facebook mm-hmm. like share and comment about this particular podcast Mm-hmm. And we will do the old number generator and pick somebody and uh, send, a great it, book. send it out to them. It is a good book. Yes. Really good. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, thank you, Thanks, Mark. Thanks, guys. This was fun. Yeah, this, a lot uh, of fun. this was great. We learned a lot about the writing process. And, uh, <laughs> and we'll have to have you back on. All right. Thank you to CastBox and uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Keep listening and make sure you subscribe, share, and let everybody know about us. That's right. Phantom Faction Podcast, a podcast to educate, entertain, assist, and guide anyone involved or interested in the paranormal. To reach out to Phantom Faction, see our Facebook page or email us directly at phantomfaction at outlook.com.